coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I'm spanking my kids out of anger. I need help. I don't know how to stop. I wish there was some more sophisticated thing that I'm about to tell you, but Nicole, stop. I do not buy for one second that you can't just help yourself. It just happens. I don't buy it. Yo, 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 what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Man, I'm so glad that you're with us. So grateful that you're here. We're talking about mental health, marriage, relationships, whatever's going on, man. Your sex life, your what's going on in your kids' schools. <laughs> we talk about it all on this show. And it's the best mental health and marriage podcast that has ever existed. Ever. And I'm so glad that you are hanging out with us, man. Um, if you want to be on the show, give us give me a buzz. 1-844-693-3291. It's one 693 You're going to leave a message and Jenna will call you back and we'll get you booked on the show. Um, also, huge uh, help if you will just hit the subscribe button. Hit the subscribe button, the five-star reviews, the whole thing. And ah, it burns in my soul to say this out loud, but follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Oh my gosh, I have an Instagram and a, and a TikTok account. But follow me on those, on those, in those newfangled adventures and we will... We're gonna we're gonna make the world right. We're gonna make the world right. All right, let's go to Brittany in Salt Lake City. What's up, Brittany? Hey, Doctor John, how are you? Good. What are you doing? Uh, well, I'm not on Instagram or TikTok because I don't have an account, so I'm sorry <laughs> I can't follow you on there. Listen, ridiculous. Number one, number two. Thank God you're probably <laughs> the most adjusted. I should be calling you. <laughs> I should be because you know how life works. That's good, man. So what's up? <laughs> Um, well, today I'm looking for ways to, um, make friends and long lasting connections. Um, I have huge trust issues and when it comes to creating relationships. Okay. How do I overcome that? Tell me more. So I think what it comes down to is, you know, when I was a child, um, my dad was an alcoholic and he would get angry and um, he was verbally abusive and, you know, if the fight was big enough, he would leave for hours, maybe even days. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being a child, I'm guessing that just, you know, has stuck with me. Okay. You know, he was a big part of my life, a huge relationship that I had and he would just up and leave. And so just, I've always struggled with that through, you know, grade school, anytime I had a friend and I started feeling like, you know, they were kind of pulling away. Mm-hmm. I, I would push them out of my life before they could pull away. Okay. Um, because if I hurt, if I just leave the relationship, then they don't have a chance to hurt me. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm still doing it today and it's not even just friends, but it's, you know, it can be family members or, um, are you, you married? Know, yes, I am. Do you do this too? To, to, yes, I yeah. How come? Yeah, and I. So here, here's the, and I ask you how come. Um, one of the cardinal questions to never ask somebody in counseling is like, why? Why do you do that, right? Yeah. Um, or how come you did that? Here's a, one. We're not. This isn't therapy. Like I'm just some lame podcaster. So that's number one. But the <laughs> the bigger overarching issue is, you've actually thought through this, and you've probably been to counseling before. You've done the work. You know. Mm-hmm. 
And so yeah. at this point, as an adult, you're choosing to continue this behavior. Or it may be so automated, you're choosing to not seek alternative actions and thoughts that you know will make your life better. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, why aren't you choosing that? I think I'm just scared. Of what? Because um, you've lost people. Yeah, of just creating the relationship in general. Like, I'll go to the gym and I'll notice, you know, a girl comes up and says hi and is she seems to be interested in, you know, being my friend. And I will get out of there as fast as possible. Okay. And I feel uncomfortable like it. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. The suckiest part about your path forward is the only way to healing is through this. You can't go around it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety's got this bizarre self-reinforcing mechanism that makes it amazing. If you your body gets anxious about something, let's say there's like uh, basketball goals make you really anxious, really anxious. Mm-hmm. And then you start to walk near a a park that's got a basketball goal and your heart starts beating real fast and like you said it starts burning like your body's like hot like I I gotta get out of here and you run and you think I can never go in that park again it's got a basketball goal your anxiety actually did its job it kept you from what it had identified as a threat as something scary as something that would hurt and kill you Mm -hmm. and so it won And so it actually reinforces itself. It gets stronger. Like, ah, that's how we keep her out of there. And the only way through it is in in the nerd world, it's exposure therapy. Like you have to go slowly be introduced to basketball goals until you can walk into that situation and your body doesn't respond and go to war because it realizes that's safe. I tell you that to tell you when it comes to people, when it comes to relationships, the only way through where you are is a choice that I am not going to push somebody away just because I have a different attachment style. Just because when I'm used to when my feelings were heard, somebody left. Or if I um, there was a fight, I didn't think they were coming back. And so now... When you get in a fight with your husband, I don't think he's coming back as your body's default mode. It just instantly goes there. And so you go ahead and accelerate the process and kick his butt out. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And you're going to lose your husband. Fair? Right. Yeah, fair. You're going to go through life pretty lonely. Fair? Yeah. I'm already feeling that. (laughs) Okay. So what if I challenged you this way? Is the way your body has chosen to cope over the years, is it working now as an adult? It's not. Okay. Would you be willing to do something different? Yes. It will be very uncomfortable, but... Correct. (laughs) Yes. You are 1 million percent right. Uh, Have you ever heard me say, talk about choosing your heart? Remind me. I'm I'm sure I have. Um. I'm coming more and more to believe that uh, uh, living a non-anxious life, living a life of more peace than not, is about choosing a a hard path. Because here's the deal. It's really hard to be 100 pounds overweight. It's hard on your knees. It's hard on your body, right? It's hard on your mental health. It's hard on your sleep. It's hard on on your relationship. It's hard. It's just hard. It's not good, bad. I'm I'm, I'm not judging. It's just hard. And it's really hard to lose 100 pounds. 
And it's really hard to keep off 100 pounds. That's hard too. And so we often get get into a um, an either or path, which is I'm just going to take the easy path, which is I'm just going to avoid people. I'm going to take the easy path. I'm not going to tell my husband what I actually need. I'm not going to tell my husband that I'm hurting. I'm not going to tell my husband that he's making me feel less than. I'm just going to ride it out. Or I'm just going to ignore him. I'm just going to kick him out. Um, and not, maybe not kick him out of the house, but kick him out um, with silence or kick him out with ignoring him or kick him out with, I'm just going to stay on social media and scroll while he's doing whatever he's doing. Um, we think that's the easy path. It's not. It's killing us. It's killing us. And then the other path feels so hard. Like, I'm like I can't just like say my needs out loud. I can't just sit down and look my husband in the eye and say, I need this from you. Or I can't just tell that person in the gym, hey, you want to go get coffee? Because they might say no. They might look at you like, whoa, weirdo lady. I was just trying to be polite. That could super happen. And that'd be hard and weird. Or worse, they could say yes. And now you got to go get coffee with a stranger. And that can be insane because they might be a Democrat. Or they might be, they might be like Trump 2024 and the rest of time. Like, you don't know. You don't know. It could be anything. It's not a matter of choosing hard or choosing easy. It's just choosing which hard path you're going to take. And when I have come to understand that, I'm always going to take the hard path that's going to lead me towards healing. And it's going to lead me towards peace. And that can only be found with relationships and with integrity and with authenticity and honesty. I'm living as um, uh, congruent, to quote Rogers. I'm, I'm living a congruent life. And right now you're not, Right. 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 And with my husband, it's like, um, as of late, I don't, I'm not sure why, but even when I go to in to kiss him or hug him, he, his body like naturally pulls away Mm -hmm. and I'll mention it to him. And he, I don't know if he's lying when he says I didn't do anything or if he doesn't notice that he does that. Mm. And so that's been a huge trigger for me lately Mm -hmm. because, you know, I go in for a kiss expecting this connection and he'll pull away and then he'll go in and kiss me. And so I think just lately, you know, with him, at least that's, that's where our disconnect has been. So I think where else though, because it's bigger than that then if it's happening just, just there is happening in other places. Where else is it happening? Um, like with him? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, with kind of with all the intimacy, really, it's, you know, I. But, but so, so there's like, there's, there's like, um, you're feeling like he's, his impulse is to back away from you, right? Yes. Y'all are having less yes. sex than you would like. Is that fair? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, lots, a uh, lot less, um, a lot less. Okay. And it just seems like nope. he's just not interested at all. Okay, but back back out of the bedroom. Where else is he not interested in you? Is he making less eye contact? Is he spending more time on his phone? Is he working later? Uh, all of those things. Okay. Yeah. So the the alarm system here. The the GPS is telling you, here's the address. Here's where we're going. But that's not the, like, the, the destination's not the issue. Man, this is, this is a, a whole, it, it's just an alarm system for a greater issue in your relationship. 
And mm-hmm. having that conversation as you lean in to kiss him and be like, what's wrong? You don't like me? Am I not pretty anymore? Like th- now everybody's, now he's got to defend himself. You're on the attack mm-hmm. and then you're defending yourself. I'm not crazy, right? Now you're back and forth. That's not the place to have that conversation. It's to go to another location and to sit with one another and say, hey, look, something's changed in our relationship. What's, what's going on? I'm not crazy. And have a couple of very specific, hey, you've been on your phone all the time in the last two months. We haven't had sex in the last 60 days. When's the last time y'all, y'all slept together? Um, probably two or three weeks ago. Okay. Um, and I'm guessing it wasn't, it was perfunctory. It wasn't, uh, uh yeah. Okay. All right. That's he, what he, it's been like lately. Okay. And I've, I've expressed to him, so um, he's actually going to the night shift here mm-hmm. soon. Okay. And I've expressed to him how, you know, we've been kind of struggling in that area, or at least I have, um, and my concerns with that. And so back at Christmas, he, um, he, he said he put a lot of thought into this and he thought this would really help me. And so he actually got me a vibrator Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, here, you can do that. Um, and so that was really uncomfortable for me and it made me even feel more lonely because it was like, no, I want the connection with you. Right. Did did you tell him that? Yeah. Okay. The the conversation. I don't know. Like he's not feeling the same as me. He's happy. Whenever I talk to him, he's happy where he's at in his life. Um, And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm reaching for him. Here's how I know he's not happy. Because his wife isn't happy with him. His wife doesn't like Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. You don't like him. And he is increasingly, and if you don't like yourself, often I don't like me. And that is reflected out onto other people. Don't get close to me. And the best way to keep somebody from being close to you is for you to not like them back. And I don't know how long that may have been going on, but there's, he has received the message to the point that he has taken a left turn and gone elsewhere. I don't know if he's seeing somebody else or if he is just settled into this general adult male malaise. How old is he? Uh, 30. Yeah. It's a very con- yeah. It's a strange phenomenon that's happening across has happened for the last 10, 15 years. It's bananas, but just this generalized 30 to 45 year old and older. Nah, it's just kind of the way this is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not attracted to her. I've put on some weight. She doesn't look like she used to. Like, she's just not into it. I'm just driving her crazy. I'm just gonna, and it just it's just one degree, and all of a sudden the car is way on the other side of the ocean. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's something about coming back saying, not, I want more of this from you. or Because that's like, you need to be doing these things. The conversation is begins with, I miss my husband mm-hmm. and I, you're gone. That's where the conversation starts. You will eventually get to whether he needs to go see a doctor and have his testosterone checked or that he's dealing with some mental health issues he needs to work through or he is just um, tired of taking criticism. He's tired of any number of relational things that have made their way to the bedroom. 
This idea of sex drive, Emily Nagoski did a remarkable job of, of just setting that whole thing on fire. It's just a myth. It's not real. It's about ons and offs. It's about gas pedals and brakes. And it's about creating an environment where there's enough gas pedals being pushed and there's no brakes. And that can be environmental. I need the house clean. That can be, I need it to cold in here. I need it warm in here. I need it to help with the kids. I need whatever we need. But it's not about... Oh, I just don't like it. You just, it's, it's a whole context. And some people are really into it once a week. And some people are really into it four times a week or eight times a week, whatever the thing is, you negotiate those relationally. But this is, the intimacy here sounds very symptomatic. And I think the conversation starts with, I, I really miss you. And something's going on. I need you to be honest with me. Because to stay, I want us to stay, not only stay married, but I want us to reconnect. And so what is our path back to each other? It's owning reality. We have now found ourselves six inches apart from each other in bed, but we're 6,000 miles away from each other. How do we find our way back? How do we begin dating again? How do I be, we begin flirting again? How do we create desire in this house? How do we practice desire? How do we create an air of sexuality and sensuality in our home we got to practice coming back to each other. It can't just be, I need this, I need this, because the solution to I need this is, hey, here's just a vibrator. You can take care of it whenever you want to. And now you can just leave me alone because I'm not good at it. I don't know what I'm doing, clearly. Um, that's a totally different proposition. And so, um, I would love before he goes off to his new job that y'all go spend a couple hours together Preferably in the morning, getting breakfast together in the sunshine when it's a little bit cold and saying, hey, before we make this big life transition, I miss you and I want you back in my life. And it's not just about sex. It's about texting. It's about eye contact. It's about touch. It's about hugs. It's about all these things. And some of it may be as simple as my wife and I years ago implemented in the mornings when both of us wake up, we hug. Just hug. Never occurred to one of us to do that. This, but we hug this is a thing and we both know that that starts a domino that impacts both of our days and I, now it's weird when I'm on the road like I just I expect that I need that it's just a part of breathing for me it's part of waking up and it's not there when I'm on the road and so I can't wait till I get home and I just get that that routine morning hug that just starts today right whatever those things are for you guys we're just gonna have skin to skin contact for three minutes in the morning we're just gonna hold hand whatever it is Y'all, y'all will start figuring that out, but that will start with, I miss you. I want you back. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. 
Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we are back in cue the <laughs> mustache and Corvette music. Not really Corvette, it's Camaro music. It's Facts of Your Friends time. Let's do it. <laughs> we've, we've got to get some different music. Kelly's just going to... This goes so good with your dragon tattoos. Just the music. Just feels like a dragon tattoo. And that could, if Karate Kid 7 came out. All right, so um, Kelly gave me these two articles. One of the things I want to do uh, that we've begun doing on Facts of Your Friends is taking things that are non-pathological, meaning they're not in the DSM. They are not, you wouldn't go to a doctor and get diagnosed with this, but that it's made its way into the vernacular. It's something that is just made its way into the world and we hear it all the time. Um, like I've got overachieving anxiety. No, you don't because that's not a thing. It's not real. It's not a thing. Um, so, Today, she handed me this, and there's, it's called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Um, or constant panic and rush is another way they say it. But tell me if this sounds familiar. Um, this, uh, I don't even see an author here. It's just written by mindtools.com. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You rush into work late again after doing the school run and navigating through traffic. When you open up your computer, there are so many email and message notifications that you don't even know where to start. Then you realize you're late for a meeting. So you rush off half walking, half running, and you grab a seat in the meeting room. A few minutes later, you realize that you're double booked and you make your apologies and dash off to join a conference call. You're late to the conference call. Your day ahead looks just as hectic. So while you're on the phone, you reply to emails marked urgent, check your calendar, and reply to several messages. And there's no let up even after you arrive home. You somehow juggle cooking a meal, putting the kids to bed, doing some housework while preparing for a presentation that you're giving in the morning. And then when you finally get to bed, your mind is still racing, worrying about all the things you still haven't been able to get get around to and will have to tackle tomorrow. Does this frantic sense of always being on the go seem familiar? People with hurry sickness think fast, talk fast, they act fast. They're always going from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Um, I, I'm, I, I've, I didn't know the phrase hurry, hurry sickness. I hadn't heard that before. But there is this sense um, that this is the age we're in. And we've, it, it's been roundly debunked in scientific studies, this idea of um, multitasking. It's not real. It's impossible. Your brain can't do it. So when you are listening to your kid, checking your email, also has have the radio going and you're watching a TV show in the background and your husband's explaining something to you, your brain is not can't absorb all of that at one time and make sense of it. 
it's just toggling back and forth. And so you're getting pieces of different information. You're getting pieces of experiences all at the same time. And so it's, you're not ever anywhere. That's been the biggest like revelation. Like I'm not really anywhere ever. And I end up driving my car 500 miles an hour to work. Uh, I, I, I have to, I'm running out the door. I'm speeding to work or I'm frustrated. I'm late to this first meeting. And because I'm late to the first meeting, I'm going to be late to every other meeting. And then somebody stops me and they're like, hey, I'm hurting. I, my mom just passed away and I want to stop and talk, but I've created a schedule for myself. I've got no margin. Then I feel guilty and it just never stops. And then I take that energy and I look at my kids and that energy is like a, a, a laser and it melts them. They can't handle that much focus. Like, what do you need? And I hear my six-year-old, my seven-year-old, she's just stumbling through the words. She's like, um, I, uh, I, and I'm like, what do, what, hon, what do you need? Right. And then they get it too. Hurry sickness. So you can't go to the doctor. They're not going to diagnose you with hurry sickness. Um, the more I dug into the research and where I just landed on my book is this, I don't know. Um, you've heard me say anxiety is an addiction. You get addicted to it. What I don't know is, um, if you have uh, links to studies and you can put them in the show in, in the comments, that would be awesome. Um, what I don't know is, do you actually get chemically addicted like you would to opium or to heroin or alcohol? Do you get addicted to the cortisol and adrenaline? Because when you are running that fast, when you're driving 95 miles down the, down the road, your body is amped up. And when you're going from meeting to meeting and you're running down the hallway and you go in and you're kind of catching your breath over your coffee, and then you realize, oh, I'm supposed to be another meeting, your body is keeping the score, as Vanderkolk says. It's running and running and running and running. So I don't know if you actually get addicted to the cortisol and adrenaline, to the um, to the hormones and the neurotransmitters and the neuromodulators. I don't know if you get addicted to them as chemicals or your body gets addicted to your downstream response to those things. That the drink you, you, you drink to take the edge off, the numbing you do in front of Netflix, the mindless sex or pornography consumption, the, um, that you go smoke a joint just to chill out. Or you take a bunch of gummies just to chill. I don't know, but Judd Brewer's work on anxiety is excellent. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a habit and response mechanism. And ultimately, if your body can spin you up, it can get what it wants downstream, which is another drink. So here's, the, here's my point. I don't know. I, I think it's fair to call anxiety an addiction. I will continue to call it. But I don't know if it's a downstream addiction, like you're addicted to the food that you eat when you're stressed. Or if you're actually addicted to the, the, the chemicals in your body that are pulsing through your body. Either way, it doesn't matter. Hurry sickness, is bec it's become a way of being. We've created anxious lives for ourselves that, quite frankly, our bodies can't exist in. And they are coming apart at the seams. Look around. Okay? So, um, and we'll link to these in the show notes. These are pop psychology, right? They're just, um, uh, it's not a lot of like neuroscience and things like that. If you want great neuroscience, there's other places you can go on the internet. But um, I think it is worth reading because they, they just, they just kind of call out our life, the way we're choosing to live. Um, here's a couple of things you can do here. Um, made some notes here. Let me see where like, oh, number one, um, know this. 
flying around the world is making things worse. So stop. Stop. This was the big revelation for me. Not that I had to figure out what new planner was going to help me toggle all this or what new apps were going to help me. That's the last 10 years. If you just get the right planner, you just do all this and yoga or and, you know, mindfulness training, you're cool. Or if you just get these apps, they'll help organize you. Um, my friend Joshua Milburns with The Minimalist says that uh, organizing is just well-thought-out hoarding, right? And you can hoard with stuff or you can hoard with activities or you can hoard with thoughts that never stop, right? So I have to know out the gate, this is killing me. It's making me very hard to be in relationship with. It is not helping my work performance. It's not helping my parenting or marriage performance. It's not helping my engagement with my community. It's not helping other people in my life feel loved. So stop. That's number one, okay? Underneath that, number two, I have to learn how to be clear about what I need, about boundaries. I can't do that. I have to learn how to say no to my kids. I want to play soccer and I want to do ballet and mom, can I get a horse? You can do one thing. You can do one thing. You get to choose, but you get to do one. Um, I have to say no when the boss says, hey, can you take on this other thing too? I have to say, no, man, I, I, I'm maxed right now. If you can give me one week, I'll have created some space and I can take that on. But just saying, yeah, you got it. And then being pissed off that your boss came to you for it. Then being pissed off that you have no more time. Being pissed. Off. So here's a good example. I agreed to a book deadline on January 15th. I agreed to it. I said, I'll have it done. My birthday weekend was spent in a hotel writing. Not with my friends and family. It was spent writing. Christmas Eve, I turned in a chapter. Christmas Day, after we opened up presents and everyone's kind of on a sugar rush, and we, I did some more writing. And I can be mad at the, the publishing arm, uh, uh, my publisher. I can be mad at my... Dude, I chose this. I agreed to it all. So I have to get clear about my needs. I need to spend time with my family on Christmas. I need to have my birthday weekend so I can celebrate that with my kids and my wife and my friends. Here's what I need. Here are my boundaries. I've got to say those things out loud. And I have had to learn over time how to do it. And I still, like I just mentioned, I still stumble, still fall, right? Number three, here is a practical thing. Never speed, only drive the speed limit which if you ride with me, you know that you're like, I think you're insane. Kelly's like, I'm going to call bullcrap on that one on a stick. Um, if you just for 30 days, I got this from John Mark Comer. If you just for 30 days, say I'm just going to drive a speed limit. Number one, I did it and it was super annoying. Here's why it was annoying. I had to leave earlier, which meant I had to plan, which meant I couldn't just sit and scroll mindlessly or read mindlessly or whatever. Sometimes my son had to go to school not looking like I would have loved because I got to leave and I'm not speeding. Number two, and this really pissed me off, I showed up to work infinitely less stressed. I was pretty chill. And I thought, oh, you got me. Because I fly down the road at 95 miles an hour and then I fly into work and then I fly into the meeting and everyone's like, whoa. And then I get mad that they're frazzled. It's on me. 
So just decide for 30 days, I'm just going to drive the speed limit everywhere. And you're going to get run over on the road. You're going to have to go to the, another lane. You may have to use cruise control to practice. Just try it for 30 days driving the speed limit. And you'll get stressed at first because everyone's driving past you. Then settle into it. Put your phone away. Number four, put your phone away, put your phone away, put your phone away. It is adding noise and chaos in spaces that normally throughout all of human history gave us pause. Times between work, times between action, times when we were waiting, times when we were outside, times between human interactions. Now we just have that phone and we're shoving every square centimeter of our lives with space and noise and flashy things and red alerts. Put it away. Put it away. Put it away. Um, last one, and this is, um, something I'm starting effective immediately is a radical sense, an unerring radical sense. I will be on time everywhere. I'm going to be on time starting now. Kelly's like, ah, I call bull crap in a box on a stick on top of a building with a parachute and dragon wings. Be radically on time. Just don't be late. Try for 30 days. I'm going to try it. I'll try. We have, a, we have a jar that we just keep on the desk here for when I was late or not, and I'll just donate it to charity, whatever's left. We should just do that. Remember the whole, there was a one point in time you were going to give me like $5 every time you said something and we got up to like a hundred something dollars. I still haven't seen that either, so. Here we go. Here we go. There's Kelly. Always just. And I would also like to point out that you didn't start the not be late thing today. No, I'm starting anew today. Okay, because we were we were late starting today. I just said starting now. Okay. Unbelievable. Hmm. Yes, you're right. It is unbelievable. You may need to get a new boss too, or work somewhere else. Hashtag just saying. Hurry sickness. Here's the deal. Look at your life and your calendar, and look for this one precious thing: space, margin, a gap in your calendar. And if you don't have it, find it. If you don't have it, let your needs be heard. And yes, I hear you single moms with three kids or single dads. And you're just like, dude, I don't have to. I get it. You're in a season. I get it. I get it. I get it. This might be something that you work towards over time. But hurry sickness is drowning you. It's not a real thing. But an anxious lifestyle, an anxious world is burning a hole through you and those you love. Stop. Stop and try to build something different. We'll be right back. All right, let's go to Nicole in Sacramento. What's up, Nicole? Hello. What's up? So um, I'm, I'm really nervous right now, so I'm just trying to get the words to my mind. Um, hey, I've never lost a, 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 a patient yet. I, I, I don't think so. Maybe I have. They just haven't called me back. But um, no, I think you're good, man. And by the way, I'm not good at this either. So same team. We're good. You'll be, you'll be okay. better at this than me. So what's up? Okay. So I have been experiencing <clears throat> episodes of rage towards my children. Um, and I'm just really, I'm just scared that I, I, I don't know how to get it under control. It's not like anger. It's like my heart pounds. I feel hot. My eyes are popping out of my head. I'm screaming. I'm spanking my kids out of anger. And I just, I need help. I don't know how to stop at times. Uh, where does the rage come from? 
I just... Rage means you feel trapped. When did you start feeling trapped? Well, first of all, I homeschool my children. Okay. And that can be extremely stressful. It's just a huge responsibility, but I chose it. And yeah. so I... But you, that also means you can unchoose it. Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. What um, else? Why do you feel trapped? I just... I feel... It's exactly what my parents did to me. And I feel like I'm just right back in the cycle of my family trauma. And I'm going to do the same thing to my kids. And they're going to have the same resentment towards me. And I don't know how to get out of it. Listen to me. A hundred percent. You're right. I wish there was some magic. There's you definitely 1000% need to go talk to somebody. Okay. Yeah. And until you have the courage to do that, you are making the choice. You know what? More than I want to get well and see a counselor and talk to somebody, I want you guys to be miserable too. Okay? That's the choice you're making. But bigger than that, I wish there was some more sophisticated thing that I'm about to tell you. But Nicole, stop. You can stop. You might not be at peace. You might have to walk outside the door. You might have to go for a walk around your house and take five laps, but stop. I do not buy for one second that you can't just, you can't just help yourself. It just happens. I don't buy it. Yeah. Is that true? No, I I completely agree. I just, from this point forward, I just don't know how to stop sometimes. Then don't get to to the moment. Don't get to the moment. That's the problem. So earlier on, I used an analogy um, earlier today. I was in an interview. If you take a two liter bottle, a brand new two liter bottle of like Dr. Pepper or Coke and you shake it up and then you pop the top off that thing, you're trying to catch all that fizz. Yeah. Because that sucker is so packed to the gills and then they shoot gas in there to fill it up even tighter. And what you have to do with your life is to create, you have to dump some of that Coke out of that sucker. If you have a a two liter bottle of Coke and it's only half filled and you shake it up, when you pop the top on it, it will make the noise. It'll go, it'll shoot the gas out and the, the, the Coke will rise, but it won't shoot all over the, all over your table and the floor. Because there's yeah. not so much built up pressure in there. You see what I'm saying? Oh, that's that's how I feel at times. I just feel like it's spilling over, spilling over, spilling it over. It is. But that you've got to create margin in other places of your life. So when your kids act like kids, they're knuckleheads, they're loud, they're emotional, they say frustrating things, they try to pee in the bathroom and they pee all over God's, I don't know what they're, I don't know how they're, I don't know, like, it's just madness. Yeah. That you have some capacity to absorb that. And that might mean, and I've talked to a number of mothers, that might mean that you've got to put your kids in school for a season and give yourself some space. Yeah. And I promise you the end of times won't come if your kids go to a school, go to a school, whether it's a private school or a public school, they have parents who love them, they're going to be fine. Yeah, next year they're going to a private school. Okay, maybe we need to accelerate. make some major changes. Maybe we need to accelerate that. I don't want your kids having another semester of a mom who hates them. 
I know. I know. I love my kids more than anything. I know. But you know I don't who- want them to hate me. Like I hated my parents. But Nicole, you're not caring for Nicole. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because Nicole can't do this 24-7, 365, and that's okay. Very, very few people can. But when you take care of Nicole, you will say out loud, I need these things. I need space between my kids. I need to go get a job. I need to go be with other adults. I need to fill in the blank, whatever your needs are. They could be all over the place. Who cares? They just are. And those needs are going to change. They might be one way this year, and they might be different next year. And the Whatever it is. And I don't think this is, it's not fair to blame this all on homeschooling. It's, you've created a world where you've got no space. Yeah. You're trapped, both emotionally and otherwise. Where's your, uh, is, 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 is there, do you have a romantic partner in the mix? You have a husband in the mix? Yeah, my husband. Mm-hmm. How is he participating in all this? He works. He works. He commutes very far and, he works five, six days a week and homeschooling and the kids is mainly on me. Okay. Um, he does his best. He's a fantastic dad. But when it comes to their every day, it's on me. Okay. Have you said the words to him, not in rage or in anger, but in a private conversation where you're just being open and vulnerable with each other? Have you said the words, I can't continue? Yes. Okay. What was his response? Then we'll do whatever we have to do to make it better. That's that's one of the most beautiful things I've heard. It's awesome. Yeah. Now, it sounds like the it's only it. person who's not letting this thing ride is you. Can you have peace so with this? I'm nervous to send them back to school. Yeah, be nervous. And you know what? Someone's going to make fun of them. Someone's going to be mean. Someone's going to laugh at their clothes. Someone's going to make fun of their hair. That's that, There's going to be part of that. And that's why they have parents, mom and dad, who love them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anger covers up sadness and points us to something we can't control. That we wish was different, right? It points us to things that we wish were different. And often anger is our body feeling like we fail, we're failing at something. And I it just, always feel like I'm failing. I, I feel like I'm failing constantly. Right. And when you grow up with abusive parents, your body protects itself with a big, thick blanket, and we call that a blanket shame. Yeah, it's all I've ever known is to be angry and protect myself. That's right, because nobody would protect you, and they should have. Right? Yeah. Do you want another life? No, oh, I love my life. No, 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 no. Do you want a more... Uh, yeah, I asked that the wrong way. Do you want a more... Uh, you want a more peaceful way of being. Yes. And I pray for that constantly. Okay. I pray for peace and calmness. You have to do different things. What we're doing so far is not working. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Okay. We've got to do something different. And I don't know what that's going to be for your life. It's going to be any number of things. It might mean that you sit down with your husband and you say, I have to get up and go for a long walk by myself in the morning and listen to my songs. I've got to get up in the morning and whatever. I've got to have one night a week to meet with the, with the women in my community, whatever the thing is. 
And I know you commute a long way and we have to go back and forth. I get all that, but I need you here. Or maybe we need to move closer to where you work so you don't have to commute so far so you can provide some more help on that. Like we got to get radical here because we are changing a family tree, Nicole. And every step along the way is going to be uncomfortable because you've never seen it done before. And it's going to feel weird, but it's going to be right. So hear me say, you deserve better than this and your kids do too. So from this day forward, never yell at your kids again. Never hit your kids again, ever. And I know you don't want to, don't. And start the work. Go call a counselor today, today. Hang on the line. I'm going to send you a copy of Own Your Past, Change Your Future. I want you to read it. I'll also send you a link to a free audiobook. I want you to listen to it if that's easier. But you have to acknowledge what happened to you and you have to decide I'm the person who's going to turn and face this forest fire and it's going to burn me and I'm going to get scars, but this will not continue with my kids. And by the way, tell your kids, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I shouldn't hit you. I'm sorry. So sorry. You're going to go see a counselor. Then you and your husband are going to sit down and you are going to re reimagine your life from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed and say, okay, what do we have to do to make a different life for ourselves and our kids? That might mean we have to move. That might mean we got to take different jobs. That might mean kids are going to public school for the rest of the year and then to, before they go to private school, whatever the thing is. That might mean like my kids ain't going to public school. Well, they are now. Because I'm going to keep them safe and I'm going to make sure they're loved and they're connected. Never hit your kids again. And Nicole, for the first time in your life, put Nicole up at the top of that list. Start loving Nicole like nobody except your husband and your kids have ever loved Nicole. And ask her, what do you need? be whole and well so that our kids can be whole and well. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, if you know, you know. Today's song is called Dirty Work by Steely Dan. Times are hard and you're afraid to pay the fee. So you find yourself somebody who can do the job for free when you need a bit of loving because your man's out on the town. That's the time you get me running and you know I'll be around. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not. I hate Steely Dan. I can't see it. It's your favorite band ever, Kelly? In the world? Hmm. It's not a fan. Let's go listen to Metallica. We'll see you soon. <laughs> 